This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going with Chris Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings. On a delayed night, you can hear it a little bit. Why? Uh, the old vocal cords were a little worn out like Texas Motor Speedway Goodyear racing tires were. Oh, yeah, I went there. That's all right. We're doing good tonight. Let's get into what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Sad news to kick off the show tonight. Coy Gibbs, son of Joe Gibbs and co-owner of JGR, passed away in his sleep early Sunday morning. That was following Ty's Xfinity Series Championship just hours after celebrating. Coy Gibbs passed away in his sleep at just 49 years old. Elsewhere in the NASCAR news, Joey Logano grabbed his second career Cup Series Championship Sunday afternoon. Zane Smith took home the Camping World Truck Series Championship on Friday. And, of course, as we mentioned, Ty Gibbs won the Saturday portion of the championship weekend. And how about this? Seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson has joined Petty GMS as a co-owner and part-time driver in a deal revealed Friday morning at a press conference in Phoenix. Johnson is working out his driving schedule for 2023, but confirmed he'll attempt to qualify for the February 19th Daytona 500 as he tries to add to his total of 83 Cup Series victories. Johnson, by the way, a two-time Daytona 500 champion. And that's what's happening in Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser on uh, a Tuesday. Rich France joins me for Across the Way. Good evening, sir. You sound a little better today. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of other sad notes from the weekend because uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't do this. <clears throat> Former Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Fan of the Year, Bob Call, passed away over the weekend. A lot of fans and uh, racers knew him for his videography work and and just overall support of short track racing. He was a supporter of ours. He shared a lot of our stuff on social media and things like that. And then also, heavy hearts this week for the family and friends of uh, of Clay Wenslick. Wenslick. Uh, he was, uh, you know, not necessarily a late model driver that everyone knew of, but he has been driving late models in our area for quite some time, spent a lot of his time at Mid-Michigan Raceway Park or Palo, and uh, he unfortunately passed away over the weekend as well. So a couple of sad notes from our area this week. We're holding them, uh, those families in our thoughts and prayers. So, Rich, let's get into some racing news from over the weekend. Yeah, Zach, I was able to catch a little bit of this. Uh, the World of Outlaws World Finals were on tap this weekend at the dirt track at Charlotte, crowning their season champions for the Case Construction Late Models, the NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars, and also along with the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modifieds, Mike Marler and Tanner English kicked off the long weekend with wins on Wednesday and Thursday uh, for the Late Models. Then it was Jonathan Davenport, of course, picking up the big $25,000 payday when it mattered in the finale on Saturday. 
Logan Shuhart and Donnie Schatz would open the uh, weekend uh, on the sprint car side with wins on Wednesday and Friday. And Schatz wasn't done yet. Uh, the 10-time World of Outlaws champion went back-to-back, -back picking up the finale on Saturday. Dennis Erm Jr. would wrap up his first-ever World of Outlaws late model championship, while Brad Sweet capped off his fourth consecutive sprint car title. Matt Shepard would claim his second straight title uh, and ninth overall in the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modified, Zach. Let's talk locally. Are you tired of talking about Owasso Speedway yet? Oh, my goodness. Every time we turn around, uh, Jeff and Rex and those guys are doing something regarding Owasso Speedway, and it continues this week. First of all, tomorrow they're inviting the public out for kind of a celebration slash watch the new Owasso Speedway be completed as the top coat, the final coat of asphalt, will be laid tomorrow on the new Owasso Speedway. Uh, so Jeff Parrish and everybody inviting the, uh, the competitors and the fans and everybody to come on out and take part in that. And then, did you see this today? We have our first official announcement about Champion Racing Association for 2023, Owasso Speedway confirms that they will be on Champion Racing Association's calendar for the 2023 season. Uh, Saturday, June 10th, will be the first appearance of two for CRA. Uh, and then Saturday, July 29th, will be the second appearance. It'll be uh, the uh, Champion Racing Association who will be there again, as we said. Uh, official Glenn Luckett says, quote, we are really looking forward to returning to Owasso Speedway in 2023. We look forward to working with new owner Rex Wheeler and his whole Owasso Speedway staff. We have a great group of racers in the Michigan area that are looking forward to supporting our events. Um, what exactly is coming? Well, uh, that part is still a little hazy, but we know that CRA is going to be there. They used the All-Star Tours logo but it's not explicitly said that that's the tour that's coming to Owasso Speedway, but we know that CRA is going to be there two times in 2023, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and if we haven't talked about Owasso Speedway enough, I'm going to get my first look at it on Saturday uh, at 1.30 because I have a Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club board meeting there uh, at the Speedway, and we're going to get a little tour of what they've done, so I'll get to see the pavement in completion, I'm assuming, uh, by by uh, by saturday and uh we're going to do that before an event we'll talk about a little bit later that uh, that's open to all the fans zach yeah that's going to be a really good one um all right so what else is going on in our area uh big news rich is coming out about pavement racing dirt is quiet right now pavement's the place to be i, I thought this was pretty cool zach a couple of huge events released yesterday morning the midwest modified tour will finally be returning to the flat rock speedway in 2023 the Modified's most recent and only appearance at the Quarter Mile Bull Ring was back in 2007 with six-time Outlaw Super Late Model champion Eric Lee picking up the win back then. Their 50-lap, $1,500 to win event will be part of the Joy Fair Memorial 100 for the Outlaw Super Late Models. So what a show that night, Zach. Uh, you won't want to miss that on May 27th. <clears throat> Flat Rock's own figure eight division will also be part of the program. Excuse me. I'm getting see. <clears throat> you're giving I'm, this to I'm, me. I'm passing it on <clears throat> from from one guy to the next. Sorry you know, about that. Yeah, you're giving it to me. Uh, and then uh, the rain date of Sunday, May 28th, uh, was also announced, Zach. And then on June 17th, the Midwest Modifieds Tour will join the 500 Sprint Car Tour for a special Saturday event at the Toledo Speedway. 
The Arca Late Model Sports and the Factory Stocks will also join the card. So, uh, Zach, a couple of big appearances for cars I know you enjoy. I guess you might have to adjust your schedule for May and June in 2023. This is getting tougher and tougher. It's only November, and already the calendar is looking like I'm not going to have time to do anything else but go fan mode next year. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to have to see what 2023 brings for me. But that is cool. That's exciting. I think any time there's a clear investment in auto racing, I don't care what division it is. You know, if if somebody decides they're going to put $5,000 on the line for front-wheel drives, I'm here for it. I love it. And uh, you know as well, we were going to be a part of the Modifieds return to Flat Rock with the Motor City 200 a couple of years ago before COVID. Uh, but that race got rained out, rained out, rained and, then, and then COVIDed out. Uh, so we didn't ever got an opportunity to bring Modifieds there. So I'm glad they're going to get a chance to go to Flat Rock. I think it's going to be a great show. Oh, I think so too. I, and I think, and you're, you're going to put them at Flat Rock with the Joy Fair Memorial 100. Uh, that is early in the season. And uh, I expect a packed house for that event at the Flat Rock Speedway. Well, Rich, time to move into our first interview of the night. And uh, this time around, it's our pleasure to welcome in a man who uh, has many hats this time of year. Uh, he does race throughout the season. You can find him behind the wheel of an open wheel modified. You used to see him in some uh, fendered cars as well. Makes his home in Ovid, Michigan. He's also putting on the promoter hat for a couple of weeks. Dale Spencer, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Thank you. Well, Dale, let's uh, let's talk first about uh, kind of your racing background and, and a little bit about your career uh, before we dive into this cool off-season project that you've been doing for a couple of years. Introduce the, the listeners. Give us a, kind of a Reader's Digest version of who Dale Spencer is. Well, um, I'm 30 years old. Uh, as you said, I live in Ovid. Um, i born and raised into the, the love of sport of circle track racing, uh, great grandparents, grandparents, uncles, my dad, multiple people have been racing and you know, it don't matter what day of the week it is. We're <laughs> doing something that's race involves racing. So that's just, uh, just what I've known for years. You made a switch here. Not too long ago, you were running, um, uh, hobby stocks or factory stocks, street stocks, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, made that transition into open wheel modifieds. How's that been? Um, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, you know, it's a, definitely a whole new breed of racing. Um, definitely loving it. Um, racing against the people that have been, you know, doing it their whole life as well. And they definitely have more knowledge behind. So we're racing with a pretty stout field of cars and it's pretty awesome to have, you know, all these big shows that we're able to go and race and enjoy throughout the summer. So kind of a definitely quad- a, I was just going to say kind of a quiet season for you as far as uh, what's available on my race pass. Uh, six events, the top five, two top tens, but spreading the love around, Corgan Oil, Owasso, Springport, and uh, a start at Whittemore Speedway. Um, so just a, kind of a part-time schedule this year? Um, well, we ran actually um, uh, on the way Speedway full-time last season and okay. this season as well. Um, they don't have the my race pass thing going on up there. Tell me how um, that went, so- though. I, say that again? I, I say, tell me how that went then for you. It uh, went pretty good. A um, couple top fives, uh, top three up there this year. Um, we ended up sixth in the points. We did have to miss championship night just because of um, weather. Unfortunately, just wasn't able for us to make that three-and-a-half-hour jaunt north. So we just uh, decided to stay local, and we raced a Waffle that weekend instead. Yeah, let's talk about what you got going in the offseason. Now, I know um, – 
oh, I, I'm thinking probably six or seven years ago, uh, I had my first experience with the mini wedges. Uh, and then they've been growing throughout our state. Talk about first um, that class, because I saw them on the dirt and, and they did a little bit of indoor racing, you know, uh, back in the mid 2000s. But but talk about that class and how how much is that that's growing throughout the state of Michigan? Growing is an understatement. Um, the class is huge. I mean, it's taken off this just this last weekend um, was our season opener that we put on in Clio. Um, for the Showcase Auto Sales Winter Mini Web Series, we had 32 racers come um, from all over. I can't even say the states. I mean, countries. We had kids from Canada there um, racing. So it's uh, definitely growing um, in fast. Uh, so it's it's a pretty awesome deal. Um, definitely a good time to get these kids in the cars, get them to learn. You know, keep them keep them going all winter long and uh, having some good times and enjoying the sport we all love now and anybody who listens to this program knows zach and i have raced uh in our past and obviously we all know we've all had had uh times in our lives where we thought we could promote something better than who where we were racing at uh <laughs> just because we think we, we always uh think we know the right way of doing it but man you're doing it yourself talk a little more about the showcase auto sales winter midi what mini wedge series and how you came up with this <laughs> well, around with some friends and family, and said, you know, these kids need to, without without the, the kids coming in to this racing, our our racing, every everyone knows it's a high dollar sport and it's a dying breed. I mean, so without getting these kids interested and in getting them off the playstations and coming racing, our our future's limited. You know, I want to be seventy five years old sitting in the grandstands watching these kids race. And without them starting now, we won't have that. Um, so it sat around one night and said, hey, why don't we try to put a race on at Shepherd's Indoor Speedway uh, last year? And we did. And, okay, well, now let's do a series. So we did that last winter. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Shepherd's, but 24 mini wedges at Shepherd's Indoor Speedway, not only is it crazy, but it's packed. I mean, it's just a small thing. So we've uh, we outgrew that grew up outgrew that facility um kenny from extreme invited us over with open hands so we decided we'll give that a try over there and um it's it's pretty awesome to see everybody reaching out to make it happen i mean without our our sponsors and everybody obviously we all know that you know trophies and such aren't cheap um so now we got people that are like hey let's put money involved and get these kids racing for dollars so it's taken off fast Talk to me about why mini wedges. Uh, obviously, in the off season, your your resources are limited. But you know, as Rich alluded to, when I think mini wedges, I think about seeing them primarily at the dirt tracks across our region. Uh, I know that Springport uh, put in a dirt track at their location for mini wedges to run there, and I think Berlin runs mini wedges on their pavement track as well. Uh, but uh, you know, really for pavement, it's it's been kind of the bandoleros that have been the intro division. Uh, why mini wedges? Why was that the uh, the choice there for the off season? Well, um, actually, the Great Lakes Mini Wedge Series um, came to Shep, reached out to me, um, and asked about putting a race on at Shepherd's, and so we did that. And I was like, "This is sweet, you know, this is awesome to watch." And um, so I have some friends and family that also race in the mini wedge stuff, so I have a lot of, I guess, 
outreach through them. So I was able to use them and to reach out to other parents to see if, you know, there's an interest in thing and to see if we get more people involved. So I just, I don't have connections through the Bandolero stuff. I think it would be kind of cool to see. Um, I just think they might be a little large for where we're at right now um, because they're just wider and such. So I don't know how that would go where we're at. Um, I guess if we were able to maybe do a different facility and make the track bigger, but mini wedges just they're the size of them is just perfect for what we're doing right now. Dale, I know people are probably listening and saying, Hey, I got a mini wedge kind of tell what kids are eligible. Are you splitting them up? Uh, what are the age groups? So, because obviously you're probably, I'm assuming that you're not racing five-year-olds against 12 and 13 year olds. Correct. Correct. Uh, We have a five to nine year old division. Um, they do race with a green restrictor plate. Um, and then we have the 10 to 14 year old division in which they don't run restrictor plate class. Um, we're our main focus for this. And, uh, we get a lot of surprise, um, when they get there, we, we tech them just like a normal race night, um, for tech for late models, you know, or street stocks or whatever class it may be that you race in. But, um, so that's our, our big point, you know, is to make it, keep it affordable for these people. Some people are coming in and trying to spend, 1500 plus on a motor for these mini wedges when what we want you to do is go to harbor freight and buy the, the motor for 150 dollars and come and race and have some fun so we try to keep it on a fair level for, throughout i mean obviously people are going to find an advantage somewhere but and that's racing, no, we definitely right? <laughs> that's racing that's right yep. now i think that you know kind of to piggyback rich people are going to listen to this and go zach rich why are we talking about mini wedges? And uh, so I'm going to be point blank. I'm going to say we're talking about mini wedges because, Dale, this is such a cool project. And a lot of our race car drivers that Rich and I talk to March through October, after they go to victory lane or after they win a championship or whatever they get done, uh, and, Rich, you, you can attest to this, they've got a mini wedge driver back in the pits or they've got a little kid standing next to them who's getting ready to buy a mini wedge. We're seeing more and more of the – uh, you know, the, the Hillikers and the, you know, the I think we're going to see, you know, probably Finley down the line and, and uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, Thurlby's down the line and things like that as, as those kids get older, you know, and, and then the kids who already are having parents who are racing full time. Uh, you got to be seeing a lot of the drivers that we see on a regular basis in the big cars coming out there to extreme and supporting this mini wedge series. You're 100 percent correct. Um so we're used to, um, I know you guys are more on the dirt side of things, but like, um, for us on the asphalt, I mean, Lakota, everyone knows, Lakota. if you race on asphalt, you know, Lakota, um, they bring six mini wedges to the racetrack on Sunday. Um, so yeah, they roll in with their 40 foot enclosed trailer and everyone <laughs> says, why do they got a 40 foot enclosed oh, trailer for mini wedges? But when they roll out six of them, they understand. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's just growing so fast. It's, it's crazy and and i do encourage even if you're you don't have a mini wedge and you're a racer um what i really would love to be able to do um is during our intermission have these racers that don't have anything going on on a sunday afternoon to come out and talk to these kids and tell them you know talk about where they started and how it's going just to keep them interested in this is there avenues right now for the parent who's listening the fan who's listening who says well, man, I, I, I'm no race car driver. I don't have a race car driver budget, but I got a kid, I got a son, I got a daughter who loves racing, and uh, I got a go-kart budget. 
Um, and that's pretty much what we're playing with here, a little bit more than that. But, I mean, i got a go-kart budget. Dale, is there an avenue? Are we talking about how to get people into this sport for uh, these kids for mini wedges? Um, I'll tell you what, we got chassis builders that are on board helping us every week to put this the show on. Um, no Limit Carts and Parts, Wooden Motorsports, Badger Race Cars, they're all out there. Um, in weekly, I mean, Wooden was at the track Sunday. Um, AJ Thompson from No Limits, he's like a huge backer in this. So if they are interested in it, not only could they reach out, you could reach out to our page and I can get you the um, connections, get you their phone numbers. Stop out Sunday. We start racing at 1030. Um, our schedule's online. You're more than welcome to stop out. AJ would be glad to talk to you. Jim Wooden would be glad to talk to you. So there's there's definitely connections out there that, I mean, they definitely work with you to get you in the seat. And is this, uh, you, we mentioned the series and racing on Sunday mornings. Is this an every week thing, or how often are you guys racing up there? Well, our, we run seven, we're running seven shows this winter. Um, it is an every other week event. Um, we do take um, a short break um, in December for Christmas, and then we're right back at it again in um, January. So, um, yeah, I mean, December 11th, uh, November 20th is our next show. Then we got a break. It's December 11th. December 11th, Santa comes and visits all the kids that are participating. Oh, that's awesome. Um, get to sit down with Santa, and Santa's bringing gifts and all that fun stuff. So it's um, and that's where we strive, you know, to make sure the kids are having fun. We want to give back to the kids as much as we can and do all sorts of different fun things. Every week we have a different activity for the kids to, to do. You know, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing and I commend you for it, but I got to ask you something, uh, going back to your program, we just had a story right before you got on and, and I didn't know if you knew this, uh, the Midwest modifieds tour or the modifieds are going back. Have, it was announced yesterday morning. They're going back to the Flat Rock Speedway for the first time in 15 years. Um, you looking to maybe put that one on your schedule? Because I know a lot of guys are looking to, looking at that race. Um, it's definitely something we'll probably look into. I can't say for sure we'll make it. Um, as everyone knows, the Wasso Speedway is five minutes from my house, under new ownership and brand new asphalt. So you can bet we'll be there every weekend we can. Um, our budget just doesn't fit to run a weekly event um, kind of thing. So... Um, we'll be there as much as we can, um, but um, if Flat Rock fits in our schedule and we can make it happen, we'll definitely be there. If not, and Owasso's off that weekend for some reason, I'll still probably be there because I do help Blake grow and stuff like that on our side gig to keep his team running up front every week. And that's what I thought Rich was going to say because we did talk about that right before we had you on too, is Owasso Speedway being a stone's throw away uh, are you going to be out there tomorrow with the uh, the big event that they got going on, the top coat laying and uh, the discussion about what's going on? Uh, we mentioned in that story, I had a chance to talk to Jeff Parrish um, over the weekend, and, uh, man, is he fired up about what they got going on out there. Are you going to go out there tomorrow and see what's happening? He's fired up just about as much as our team is. Um, will we be there? I'm not for sure. I mean, I just took a new job, um, started yesterday. So um, going out there maybe after work. Um, I mean, luckily works just a throw away from home as well. So um, if we can make it out there and they're still out there working, which I'm sure they will be, we'll probably swing out there and check it out. And well, just talk about, the updates. talk about the updates from you, though. I mean, a uh, resident up there right close to the racetrack. You've been going there for years. Uh, give, give us a little uh, little uh, feel on how, how, how you're looking forward to this coming season. I'm absolutely excited. Um, 
unfortunately, just with things that have happened in the past, we decided to venture out and go north and race at Onaway and um, try some other things in the past. But uh, Jeff Parrish, a good friend of mine, and um, got to meet with Rex Wheeler, and he's got a lot of you know outlook on this racetrack. It's going to be huge. Um, so definitely super excited. Definitely glad to be calling a lot Speedway home uh, next season. So it'll definitely be fun to only have to travel 10 minutes and um, hopefully we can get a lot of people there and get it packed in. I know Jeff's talked to me already as well about putting mini wedges back on the asphalt there at Owasso. So that'll be exciting. Well, Dale, let's uh, one more time. We bring you on tonight to uh, talk about the future of our sport and the youngsters, the mini wedgers. Uh, you've got divisions available every other Sunday, age five through what was it? 14 or older. What was the, what was the age cap? Five to nine and then 10 to 14, correct. So you've got divisions ready. If guys have mini wedges sitting in the shop and they're getting stir crazy, you've got an opportunity for uh, their kids to come on out and have some fun. Dale, what's the best way to follow along with this indoor series? Um, you can check us out on the Facebook uh, Showcase Auto Sales Winter Mini Wedge Series. All right. That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And, uh, yeah. again, if, if people want to uh, come and watch, where are these being held at? Uh, extreme indoor cart racing located in Clio. Hey, all right, Dale. Well, Hey, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Love what you're doing with the kids, man. Keep up the great work. And, uh, who knows, maybe Rich and I'll mosey up there one weekend, see what's going on. For sure. Let us know. All right. That's Dale Spencer. He's, uh, he's kind of in charge and, uh, proud to be of the mini wedge program, uh, going on this winter. Well, always a pleasure to uh, get a chance to talk about our racing youth. We don't do that a lot on our show here at Horsepower Happenings, but um, I, I, I saw what Dale was doing kind of in the second year. It's growing. It's expanding. And uh, really, Rich, we are we are in that time now where, you know, it used to be quarter midgets and it used to be, you know, micro sprints and that sort of thing. Mini wedges are the gateway drug now for these kids to get into racing. And uh, so this is really cool what Dale and his staff are doing. And, and and I agree a hundred percent with what he said. If 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 we're not doing this, one day we're going to wake up and everybody's going to be retiring, and we're going to have very few cars left on the racetrack. So keeping these kids interested, off the couch, off the gaming machine, get them out onto the racetrack, get the parents excited, get the kids excited. That's how you grow the sport from the ground level up. Well, over the weekend, uh, some guys that did the same sort of thing for our sport back in the day were honored and recognized, where they kind of looked at everything and said, we need to do what we can to leave our mark on the sport. They were honored over the weekend. Yeah, Zach, uh, 11 inductees were part of the class of 2022 at the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame ceremonies, which took place on Sunday in Mount Pleasant. Uh, In the other-than-driver category, were Winning Edge publishers Steve and the late Sherry Landon, uh, promoters Tom Sprague Sr. and John Turnbull Sr., uh, along with car builder Tim Curry. In the other motorsports category, Trans Am driver and team owner Doug Peterson, uh, while drag racing was represented by the Austin Brothers and the Tignanelli family, uh, Shadowwoods Racing Group. And uh, Oval Track Legends era inductees were the late Mel Householder, and Eddie Hayden Sr., representing the Oval Track Modern Era, were Randy Varney and Reinbold Racing. And also honored on Sunday, Zach, Dick Alberts and Dick Stemmler received uh, the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame Lifetime Dedication Award. Matt Preer received the Mick Schuler Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame Media Award. And Laura Tucker was honored 
with the Dick Beebe uh, Memorial Award as well. So congratulations to all the 22 inductees and award recipients this weekend. Now, Zach, shifting gears, we talked to this gentleman back, I think he had a night or two in, maybe after his first night, and and he lived through that night. Now we're going to talk about a whole season, and he made it through the whole season. So let's see how this worked <laughs> out. He was at the helm, completed his first season at the Butler Motor Speedway. Tim Wilbur, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me on. It is nice to know you're still around, and <laughs> um, and it sounds like you guys had a pretty fun season out there at Butler. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we had a good season. Um, I think night number one at the end of the night, like, I thought we were really good. Um, and then by mid-season, I kind of look back at night number one. I'm like, we're, we're improving. Maybe night number one wasn't as good as I thought. And I think, once again, when you get to the end of the season, I think the steps that we made from night number one to 18 shows later, um, there was I think we had big improvements, and I was satisfied. Well, Tim, let's uh, let's talk about this. 18 shows, uh, you know, this was a completely different role for you. Uh, for those who, who maybe don't realize that, you spent some 20, 22, 25 years behind the helm of, of race cars around Butler and the surrounding areas. And, uh, you know, then you decide we're going to go ahead, you and your family, we're going to promote this thing. We're going to purchase it. We're going to, you know, we're going to do what we think we need to do to this place. A lot of people were excited about that. A lot of excitement about you taking over. Um, how did you guys handle that? Because with that, when everybody says, man, we're so glad you got this place. We're so glad you're taking over. Right. Comes some pressure with that as well. How'd you guys handle the, the expectations versus reality for the season? You know, um, you know, pressure wise, I think I really handled the pressure pretty good. I think really all week long, um, once I kind of figured out what steps I had to do every day, if it's, you know, like Sunday morning, first thing, like I knew what I needed to go do to the track. And then, you know, it's Monday, Tuesday, like you kind of had a routine and that's what was really the, the beginning of the year. I was probably more nervous all week long of like, I've got to get the track done by Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then the last month I was like, I know what I've got to do each day and I wasn't as nervous. Um, everything just kind of, it's like the alphabet. You can't get to B before you do a, you know, and at, at the end of the year, I was comfortable doing all that with the pressure. Um, I, I think the only pressure really is, is that Saturday from 12, one o'clock on to when you start the first hot lap session of having the track ready of when you turn the water valve off and when you start making laps of wheel packing, that, that is the worst part right there. Because that's where you get about fifteen to 1,500 to 2,000 people who know how to do it better than what you do, no matter what it is you do. Uh, now, just looking at your 2022 events on your schedule and your results tab, you got really fortunate here for your first season. This shows just two rainouts. And I know that some of those were close calls. I'm thinking back to the Hell Tour, where we all thought that our hair was going to be on end by the end of that thing. Uh, but that one squeaked in official. So, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. You didn't have to dodge Mother Nature too much. Uh, I know that's something that really bothers promoters is how many shows am I going to get in uh, for the season? You you guys got really lucky this year. We, we really did get lucky. And even like the first month, um, when, when we raced every night, and I think if it was Oakshade or what, canceled, and, you know, you, we drew in some cars. We drew in some cars. And I think our first rain out, truthfully, I think I was at the track at 4, 5, 6 o'clock, and I was power washing some equipment. And I was like, we could have raced. But that day, I remember being at the car lot in the morning, and it was just pouring, and it called to rain all day, all night. So, yeah, you, you had to play the weatherman 
and say, okay, they're right. Even though they're 50, 50, you know, we are all weathermen, but that day there, we hindsight, we could have raced that day. Um, the one later in the year, that one there just rained all day and we couldn't have. So technically, truthfully, we could have had one rain out, which would have been outstanding. Now, Tim, like, like Zach was referring to, uh, both of us were able to make it for the Summer Nationals Hell Tour night. And that was my first time meeting you and then, you know, be, being able to see Butler in action in quite a few years. And I noticed that that track has a lot of character now, and it is not the same as the last time I was there. Um, talk about that night because that was a showcase for you guys. It really was, yeah. Um, I wish it could have really went better than what it did. I mean, everything was kind of a hurry up and get the show done type of a deal. Um, and really, I can remember talking to Sam. He called me up there and he's like, it doesn't look good. I'm like, yeah, no, I was just trying to <laughs> ignore that. And uh, he's like, well, we have two options. We can do a full show or we can do a quick show. And the the full show just you know, once again, was not looking good at all. So, you know, him and I decided on doing the quick show. Um, and once you, once you just bring the late models to Butler, it's just totally a different atmosphere <laughs> of, of the people. Once you get them there, you know, it's, it's a good and bad because once you bring them there, it's, it's great to see them, but then it's bad. Cause then for the next two months, that's every voice message. That's all you get is yeah. bring us late models, you know, <laughs> bring the late models. And, you know, we were fortunate this year that we had a very good field of sprint cars, which, doesn't even make you think about doing anything different really you know and i was going to bring that up because you know the sprint car numbers at butler you know, so right butler has this long-standing reputation the only track in michigan with a weekly sprint car presence and those numbers were dwindling right i mean there's no two ways around it they were dwindling you had this season and and just bear with me here you had 55 sprint cars registered across the entire season of those 55, you had, uh, let me see here, over a dozen that attended 10 or more shows. And then you had uh, over, let's see, 18 who attended at least eight or more shows in this season. So, you know, you're looking at almost full fields almost all season long. Yeah, we were very fortunate. I think if I had to guesstimate, like we might have had our lowest night with maybe a fifteen sixteen number. Yeah. But um yeah, we were right around that eighteen twenty two, if not even more, you know. So yeah, we were very fortunate. We had a very good field of cars and I think once again, I think back in the I don't even want to say four or five years ago, like um, I think when the sprint cars rolled in, you could almost sit at your trailer and say, my money is on this driver tonight. Right. And this year you really didn't have that because there was, there was a, there was a good hand of them that you could pick. If not, you got involved in your second hand of, there were six or seven guys that could win that show. By the way, to back your point, uh, Josh Turner, two feature wins, seven top fives, Logan Easterday, a feature win, seven top fives. Uh, then you scroll down sixth in points, uh, a feature win for Trey McGranahan, and six top fives. Tyler Rankin, four feature wins, nine top fives. Boston Mead, a feature win, six top fives. Jason Blonde with two feature wins and six top fives. And then, oh yeah, by the way, Max Stambaugh with a feature win. Zane DeVault with a feature win. Noah Dunlap with a feature win. Roll the dice, right? Jet Man picks up a feature win. Ricky Peterson. I mean, man, mm -hmm. oh man, the list just keeps going of different sprint car right. drivers you guys put in victory lane this year. Yeah, and, and that's always... You know, and I guess I've never looked at that. I guess, obviously, when you're racing, you just want to win all of the shows. Um, when you're in the infield, I mean, hey, you just you hope for a good show for the fans. And then I I think I used Boston for an example. I said, Boston Mead's going to win a feature because he was just playing that old catfish on the bottom, and he was good. 
And I'm like, you know, like, that's what I wanted to see was, you know, everybody run that middle-ish. They just always run that middle-ish and maybe the top at Butler, you know, just, I think they always have our whole life. And, and no Boston was walking on that bottom. And the night that he won, I think he got the lead on the bottom and then he, he moved up like the rest of them. But I'm like, you know, that's what I like to see is, you know, the, the owner promoter side of, you know, I want to see some good racing and he picked him off on the bottom. It wasn't a jump to restart and pass him or nothing. You know, it's get out racing and pick him off. And that, that's probably the best part of doing my job today is to be able to put on a good race that when you're done, you're like, I don't really care who won. As long as whoever won had four wheels on their car and a helmet that, you know, it's, it's what's can put on a good show for the fans. Now, Tim, I get to put you on the spot here. So last time we talked, you said, Oh, we did some good things, but I think we can make it better. Now you got a Now you got a full season under your belt. Kind of tell me a couple of things you're most proud of that you guys did this year and how well it worked out. And then give me a couple of things that you would need. You think you got to work on over the winter. Um, wow. Yeah, you did put me, you could have texted me this little heads up earlier. <laughs> um, you, you know, I think it's, I think just the, I, I think we're almost getting more of like a, I'd like to say if it's a family base back there, like I think it almost turned into maybe a little bit of madhouse in the past, maybe there from Bowman gray. Sure. Like, you know, nobody wanted to walk to the other trailer for nothing. Like, I guess that's probably one of my goals is, you know, not saying it's got to be a picnic every night there, but you know, just for people somewhat can get along. Like we maybe had a little bit of a rough start with the front wheel drive guys. Um, and kind of like I had a little talk with them. I'm like, you know, there's, there's little kids coming in the pits that are looking up to all you guys. I don't care if you drive a sprint car or a front wheel drive, they're looking up to you. And that was kind of my biggest thing to those guys. Cause there's some younger kids in that class. And um, <laughs> I kind of made them after the feature. I said, well, we're, we're going to take the top three are going to get their picture taken together. Just to, <laughs> you know, like instead of being mad at each other, you're getting your picture taken together. And, if you guys don't like that, we'll sit Indian style in victory lane and get our pictures taken, you know, like just to, and, and I really think even the front wheel drives after that, like they kind of turned around and it's almost like, okay, we're all together here now, you know, cause the last thing you want to do is come in like a hard guy and say, boom, we're going to leave a class home for a week or two because you can't get along. But on the other hand, after the races, you don't want fighting and brawls. Cause I guess I go back to when I was a kid, like I was waiting for that last feature to get over to be able to run in the pits to, you know, boom, I'm going to my Uncle Terry's trailer. Or I'm going to these guys' race cars, you know, before they get loaded. And, you know, when you the last feature's over and you got a brawl in the, inf- in the pit, you know, that was what I did not want to happen. You know, just kind of get people to get along. Um, and I think even, like, what am I proud of? You know, that's some of it. Like, some of my workers, for an example, like, at the start of the year, like, w- whatever we would do, like, and then all of a sudden they're taking the initiative and, they're doing the next step or they're doing, Hey, Tim's got to do this step. And they just went and did it. Like we almost could all start reading each other. Like they know what the next step is. And that's good to see. Well, and I know that from my perspective, uh, you know, and every time I went there working with Nate, uh, you know, he kind of got thrown in that position. He's like, I'm not an announcer, but Tim needed somebody. I filled the role. And you know, he, he was, this was the thing I thought was great about your guys' team willing to learn. Uh, you know, you would, you would listen to almost everybody's criticism or suggestions whether you took it and ran with it is another thing but i saw you on multiple occasions you know you're on a mission to do something you got your headset on but somebody will go hey tim boom you stop you turn you listen what they have to say and all of your employees did that listening to what your Mm -hmm. customers had to say about what they thought could improve your racetrack yep yeah and definitely you know i think i i think probably a a bad move on my end is however if 
once I set my stone, like I kind of told him in the driver's meeting, you know, for the first three weeks, like well, once I set a presence, we've, we have to stay with that all year if it's right or wrong, because I can't, you know, like the first week or so, like we do the group qualifying, we sent 10 sprint cars out there that didn't work. Okay. I understand. We got to split you guys up five and five, but you know, like that was an easy one, but you know, like, Hey, I need an extra lap. I ran up on a car. Nope. The answer is no, there's five of you spread out. You know, we can make it work. Well, on week number eight, when somebody runs up on a slower car and qualifying, they're like, Hey, I need another lap. I'm like, it's not happening. They're like, but he was slower. I'm like, listen, night number two, I didn't give this guy a lap. I'm not giving you a lap, you know? And, and that's the tough part. So I'm like, I, I can't do it, you know? But, um, and I think we've, I've kind of got a couple of different things in line for that, you know, like transponder issues we had this year, like a couple of different things we're going to do to hopefully solve that problem for group qualifying. Um, and it's kind of funny. I just told my daughter, like, we got to print off a few of the classes rules, the general rules, and I'm going on vacation all next week. And I'll probably have that little paper with me to be able to start getting a few things done while we're on vacation all next week, just to get it done for when I get back and kind of get all that stuff updated. Talk to me about that because consistency to me, and we've talked about this on the show, consistency is a, a deal breaker or a, or a deal maker in our sport. And, and Tim, I know that in your career, you've been on the, uh, you know, the backhand of that where rules go one way for somebody. And then the next three weeks, they don't go the way that you need them to go. Uh, when you saw that unfold as a former driver, now in that management promoter position, is it hard to look a guy in the face and say, no, I can't, I can't do what it takes to please you because I've got 99 other drivers in the pits who are expecting me to do something else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I think the biggest struggle we had was like restarts where we have the restart can turn four at the cone, um, you know, single file at that cone. And the biggest pickle there was, is um, like, for example, if a sprint car guy wants to go high, well, now you leave that bottom hole open. So a guy fills that hole. So every time on a restart, I went to turn four to be able to judge, are they jumping? Or are they not jumping heat races, you know? Um, and then, Doug up in the tower and I, we talk and he's like, well, they jumped. I'm like, well, I don't think they jumped. And this is the reason he's like, okay, perfect. So then you kind of go up there and then this guy's mad because he jumped and didn't jump. And I have to explain it. Like this is from my eye, if it was right or wrong, but I don't really think I had a problem going there. Um, you know, we had a couple of situations and I remember telling him, I'm like, Hey, like, I don't know what the exact answer is, but if there's an answer, let me know what it is. And as that crew chief said, he's like, I don't know what the correct answer is, but that was wrong. I'm like, I'm a hundred percent with you, but I don't know what we do because, you know, you just can't tell someone to move over or, or leave the track because they're slower when you come up on them or whatever, you know. Tim, obviously, you know, like you're explaining whether something goes good or there's something that needs to be corrected, your name's on that, right? They're all coming to look for you. But uh, you got a heck of a team that you put together this year that really supported you throughout the season. Um how about giving them a shout out for everybody that, that worked all season long for you? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, like start off in the kitchen for an example, I've got a Cheryl and Larry Deshaw that, you know, the kitchen wise, you know, you can have a complaint that they shut down 10 minutes too early or this or that. But let me tell you, like Sunday morning when I'm out on the track working, like they're already cleaning, organizing the kitchen for the next week. And before they leave at noonish, they come in with a slip that this is what needs to be ordered for this week. Like, they put in those two right there, put in endless hours of cleaning the grills, working in the kitchen for me. Um, you know, our two scores, um, Jen and Rhonda upstairs, 
like have never done scoring in their life. So like, you know, I mean, yeah, it might've started off a little rough, but you know, we had a little help from Anthony that when he came down to give them some pointers. And I think once again, from like I told a buddy of mine the other day, the tough part is with them in the scoring tower is they've never done it and they've only done it, you know, with a couple of special shows. So they didn't do those shows, but you know, 16 ish times a year, well, they didn't do it 16 consecutive days. They did it once every week. So it's hard to grasp it really fast, but I think from worst, from the first night to the last night, like those girls there did exceptional well. Um, you know, I've got two guys upstairs, Doug and Ron, that both work up there that each of them have a corner to make calls on. Um, I think they do very well for me. And I think the more that we all can just read each other, the better that is. Um, you got me on the hot spot, you know. Um, I did pick up um buddy of mine that I've been friends with forever, Brad Blonde. Um, and, and it's just funny when you bring in this farmer mentality is what I'm going to say. Like, he's just got a totally different eye. Like I've got maybe the racer eye and he's got this farmer eye. Like we need to move this water here, Tim, when it rains, I'm like, yeah, it'll just run through the infield. He's like, no, we need to move it this way to the drain. I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. But it, it's good when you've got two different type of eyes and uh, he helped me out exceptional. I mean, every night him and one or two of his boys would be there during the week. And uh, the kids are both young. One's a little older than the other, but the youngest one, you know, it's, I guess I kind of say it's like me when I was a kid, like, give me a steering wheel, like, whatever I got to do, if I got to go pack the track or whatever, you know, like, I say that's a kid's dream. So, you know, I mean, those, those two kids and him put in a lot of hours and helped me out a ton. Um, you know, and it's just, there's so many of them, like my buddy Randy that lines the cars up. He camps out there on the weekends with us. So on Friday nights, once again, when it's time to start flooding the track, you know, he's definitely there to help me start putting water down to, I say late Friday night or Saturday morning till we put the water down and um, the endless hours that probably my two daughters and wife puts in over there is just exceptional. It's kind of like I said the other day, like I think my daughter saw, oh, this would be kind of a fun thing. You know, dad just always went to races on Saturday. So that's all we have to do. Like, I don't think they figured out that it's more than a one day event to go there. You know, it's just, they thought it'd be fun, but they put in a ton of hours for me. Um, even the push truck guys, if it's Kevin or Porky or Dave Hobday, you know, like I think in the past, maybe they've all just showed up at four or five o'clock and they get a band and they push off sprint cars for engine heat. And it's kind of like they show up at two, three o'clock, if not one or two on Saturday, just to, Hey, do you need a hand? What do you need help with? Which is nice to see because there's sometimes I want to do it all myself, but there's only so many pieces of Tim. So I'm like, Hey, go ahead and do it. You know? Um, it's, it's a hard thing when it's something you love to do to just hand the reins over to them, but you're like, I want to do it, but you can't do everything yourself. So it's nice when guys like that show up early to help you out. And that's just a big help to you right there. And Tim, I got to support what you say when you were talking about the scores, I was announcing one night and I had never scored in my life after racing for 25 years. I'm in the announcing booth and, and I took a break and they said, here, why don't you score this race? I made it two laps and was looking for the microphone again. That's uh -huh. all I could do. It's that hard. It is not as easy as you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I would totally agree. And I, I, I laugh at a lot of things. So one of the scores is super good friends with my wife and I our whole life. And we kind of had a deal like when my wife and I, I say had our dinner date once a week. Well, you, we usually went out with her and her husband because we kind of, I guess, discussed the racing and it's even like my wife the first week, which it's funny, but it's good for the drivers, but not for us. But the first week, somehow we talked about it and my wife, like, you know, she paid toll money for the sprint cars, the same as start pay. 
I said, what? She goes, well, yeah. I go, no, 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 no. That's two different numbers. <laughs> you know, no, no, we, we don't do that. You know, there, there was probably five or six sprint cars went home thinking, Hey, that's not bad money. We didn't yeah. make the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, no, Jen, we don't do it like that. You know, which it's, it, it's funny. I mean, it's not, I guess, pumping your chest out and bragging, but in our 29 years of racing, we've had a very successful career. And, you know, I mean, there was nights we didn't make a show here or there, but like, I guess my wife was like never immune to like, we didn't make the show and we got paid what, you know, yeah. she's, <laughs> she, she probably expected each week a good payout, I guess. Let's talk about, <clears throat> we've been bragging on you and, uh, you know, your staff. Let's talk about your competitors a little bit. This is pretty cool. Uh, Rick Swardout wins your uh, track championship by 36 points over Corey Bevard. Not only is he the Butler Motor Speedway track champion, but he's also the Dirt Car UMP uh, Michigan region champion. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know how hard it is to do that. That's going to be pretty, you got to be proud of Rick and, and uh, for him to be at your racetrack, but also getting that regional title. Yeah, that was very good to see. I was I was trying to think when we started talking about Rick, I think he's 30-some years he's been racing. Um, I think that's what he said Saturday at the banquet, you know, and he had a, he had a few years on me, but I remember my first year racing, I raced against Rick and we pretty much raced my whole career together, but, uh, yeah, and that's, and that's his first championship. And that's, it, it's cool to see it like that, that, you know, people win their first ones or, you know, if it's someone that's done racing and it was their last one, if they could get it at our track, that's great. But no, that's, that's a good achievement to see for Rick to get it a at the track, like you said, and B to be able to get that Michigan title that he runs at our track weekly. All right, now I'm going to – Rich had his turn to put you on the spot. I'm going to take mine. Uh, it, it The last checkered flag no sooner than fell, and there was already the rumor mill and the scuttlebutt and everything going on about what you're going to do um, maybe with, you know, your top classes with late models and sprint cars and that sort of thing, where do modifieds live, UMP modifieds, you know, and then the big question mark about street stocks. Uh, you know, I think people had mixed reviews about the runaway that Eric Swan had. You know, you could hardly keep him out of victory lane this year um in those uh, shows 13 wins out of 18 features that he started so obviously a dominating performance there so i know you're only about 48 uh, or so three days four days off of your banquet but tim any changes you're looking at on the horizon as far as rule books or procedures or anything like that uh that you're ready to talk about you know, I, nothing really major. I mean, obviously our, our sprint cars and modifies are pretty set in stone. You know, I mean, we kind of follow the, if it's the all-stars or what, you know, you kind of follow their rule pattern with the sprints and then the modifieds, obviously UMP kind of sets that. So that's kind of an easy one. Um, the, the, the front wheel drives is pretty a basic one. I mean, the, I don't, I don't want to say those things are outlaw front wheel drives, but that's pretty much what those things are today. You know, it's a, it's a four cylinder minus a turbo, in my opinion, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I think our street stocks, I really believe, which Eric and I are great friends. Um, and he kind of said it, you know, he's, he has not been a season runner for a long time. And I think a little bit was, is, Hey, it's Tim's first year. Like they started off pretty good and let's see if we can finish it off and get that jacket. And like he says, um, talking to him, I think he's good for five to seven shows a year. Um, and I think with that being said, like we have a tough street stock class from second to 10th right now. Are you concerned um, so at all that, that he ran away the way he did? I mean, was he exploiting anything in the rule book or anything like that? Or just, I mean, was he to the max of everything that he could do within the rules? And, uh, you know, that's, uh, Eric Swan, who's been racing at Butler since I was a tyke. Right. You know, I think, I mean, it, I, I think it's within the rules. I think a lot of, I mean, obviously I drove the car the year before I drove the car at Kokomo this year. 
um, the, the car's super fast. Um, you know, we had success with it last year. Eric's he, he's on the top of his game of figuring out everything. Um, and it's kind of like I tell a lot of people, you know, not to pump your chest out again, but, uh, if you go back to 21, there was only three street stock feature winners and my cousin Caleb won one of them and the zero cars were in the victory lane, the other two, and it was Eric and I both. Um, you know, so I guess not to say, Hey, you take me out of the equation that left it with him. Um, but he definitely, if, if he was going to come back and run for the next four years, I'd be in trouble weekly because you're going to start like, okay, I've got to go do something different because we just can't run with him. But, um, I think he definitely could have been beat. I think once again, he got in a lot of their heads and they were like, he's too fast and we're done. But he, he was definitely fast. All right, cool, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. It always is to catch up with you. Uh, you got that banquet in the book, which means the uh, inaugural season for you at the helm of Butler Motor Speedway is in the books. And uh, I think all of us here at Horsepower Happenings and a lot of us across the state are going to give you a passing grade, man. So we're excited to see what 2023 has in store for you. All right, I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm excited for the 23 season already. All right, man. That's Tim Wilbur, the owner-promoter of Butler Motor Speedway, joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Well, man, we had to find a way to shut that down. I could talk with Tim for a long time about Butler and about auto racing in general, and uh, obviously he could too. And, and really, Rich, as we said, just happy to see you know a first-time promoter not go underwater. And really, I don't think you could even say that he only treaded water. I think they succeeded in 2022. Yeah, I thought you had him at the end. I thought we were going to be on another half hour when you asked him about rules, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, he did the right thing. He I don't know what office he was running for, but uh yeah. he, that was that was a heck of a job he did on election day. That's right. Because cuz he got out of that really quick for you, I thought. <laughs> I told him off the air. I said Sorry, I had to ask. You know I had to ask. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. He goes, no problem, but there was no way I was answering that question. Uh, so appreciate that. Um, upcoming calendar, Rich, you have a little something going on this weekend. Yeah, so as I said, I'm, I'm going to be up at the uh, Owasso Speedway uh, at 1.30 in the afternoon on Saturday for a Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club board meeting. We're going to kind of get everything rolling for the fan club banquet coming up in January. Uh, and then we'll have a fan club meeting. The Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club will have their November meeting this Saturday uh, at the Sideline Sports Bar in Owasso. The event kicks off at 6 p.m. Planned speakers include modified racer David McManus, uh, of course, Rex Wheeler, Jeff Paris, Jody Hoffman, and Destiny Boston from the new Owasso Speedway management staff. Uh, a two-time champion in 2022, Chad Freeman, will also be on hand to talk about his front-wheel drive championships at Tri-City and Merritt Speedways. Uh, the sideline menu looks pretty awesome, so you can show up, enjoy a nice meal, renew your membership for 2023 as well at the same time. And, Zach, uh, I expect they serve other items on the liquid side that may be just <laughs> as tasty. Yeah, yeah, that'll be right up your alley, won't it? So, uh, very cool. One meeting I won't miss. That's right, that's right. Well, hey, uh, I do want to say thanks again to uh, Dale Spencer and Tim Wilber for making time to join us tonight. Appreciate your willingness to push it back a week and everybody's uh, understanding. Uh, the laryngitis struck once again, and so uh, we had to do what we had to do, but uh, glad to be able to bring you horsepower happenings on Election Day. Uh, hopefully this is a nice little relief for you, a little uh, turn off the politics and turn on some racing here with Horsepower Happening. So on behalf of Scott Miller, who pays the bills, Rich France, who does everything else, I'm Zach Heiser, who sometimes 
gets to host Horsepower Happenings. Have a great night. We'll talk same time, same place next week right here. It's Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.